Pray with me. Father, on this first Sunday in Epiphany, when we remember the story of Jesus' baptism, my prayer for all of us is that you would let us see you in Jesus and in his baptism. And through seeing you, we would see ourselves. And I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 You may be seated. So, what kind of God would get baptized with a mob of repenting sinners? You ever wondered about that? What kind of God would get baptized with a mob of repenting sinners? I mean, that's what was going on. All these people are coming to Jordan, to John the Baptist, acknowledging their sin repenting and submitting to baptism and God shows up, Jesus, Jesus is God. God shows up and says, I want to be baptized. And he didn't just happen to be walking along and thought, hey, man, I'll get baptized. Listen to the text again. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized by him. The reason he left Galilee The reason he made a 90-mile journey to the Jordan, Bethany on the Jordan, was to get baptized. So it's not just sort of, hey, man. He decided to get baptized. He intentionally left his home to get baptized. He went to John to get baptized. What kind of God gets baptized with a mob of of repenting sinners? It's a weird story. John the Baptist kind of thought it was weird, too. Did you notice that? Because in the next verse, it says, John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? He's like, whoa, what gifts? Jesus, you should be baptizing me. I should stop baptizing. You should get in the river. You should baptize people. What's going on? It's not just a weird story to us. John the Baptist thought it was weird that Jesus showed up to get baptized. What? kind of God gets baptized with a mob of repenting sinners. And the other thing about the story is, as far as we know, no other one of these baptisms happened quite like the one that happened to Jesus. First of all, the Holy Spirit falls on him, but in the form of a dove. It's a visible manifestation Kind of like a sacrament almost, a sign of the Holy Spirit's presence coming on Jesus. So that's pretty different. That's pretty amazing. God the Holy Spirit fell on God the Son, Jesus Christ. So we see those two persons of the Holy Trinity. And then a voice cries out. It's God the Father. And God the Father says, after Jesus sees the heavens open up, after he sees the Spirit of God descending... And it says, the voice said, this is my beloved, my son, with whom I'm well pleased. It was a moment of revelation. Or to go along with this season, the church here, it was a moment of epiphany. Now, epiphany is a Greek word, and it's made up of two parts. One is the the F-P-H-A-N, the fan part. That's the showing part of the word. But the first part, the first three letters... 
have, they modify that. And it's not just sort of a showing. It's like a major, really serious, deep, profound showing or unveiling or revealing. So God is showing up. It's epiphany. That's why this is the next story to be looked at during the season of epiphany. And God shows up. What kind of God then would get baptized with a mob of repenting sinners? God's not a sinner. Right? I see you nodding. That's right. That's the correct answer. So therefore, by logic, he does not need to repent. So why? What kind of God would get baptized with a mob of repenting sinners? What's this kind of God? It's a God who wants to show us who he is and who wants to show us who he is for. It's a God who wants to show us who he is and who wants to show us who he is for. So in the baptism, God reveals himself a father, a good, good father. I love that song because actually that song captures what goes on here. He's a good, good father. It's who he is and it's who we are as children. The two truths go together. It's exactly what's going on in this text. A good, good father. And this father sends the Holy Spirit to anoint Jesus. And this is the beginning of his public ministry and story of of ministry until he goes to the cross and resurrection. All done in the anointing and empowering of the Holy Spirit. And then declares who he is. Beloved. Beloved. It means so much, but at the heart of what it means is this. I never tire of saying this. That from all eternity, God the Father has simply loved perfectly God the Son. And from all eternity means there was not a point when that started. It just always has. We can't even conceive of that. But it's simply this perfect love relationship of the Father to his Son. The Father's Son is God's beloved in all eternity. And now that belovedness, that love has shown up in Jordan at the baptism of Jesus, my beloved. But more than that, he's his son. And this, this has a cluster of kind, of kind of meetings going on. Part of it is, is it's, it's talking about Israel because God calls Israel his son. So Jesus is fulfilling the story of Israel. Part of what that means is Israel was called by God to keep covenant and never did it. Jesus shows up and does it for us. But it also goes back to eternity. The Father, Son from all eternity. Language that's trying to help us in a way we can understand, get at this eternal relationship with these two persons, the God, God the Father and God the Son. Beloved Son. And the last thing, in Him I am well pleased. And what I think is most notable about that statement right there is in terms of God's vocation and mission for Jesus, he hasn't done any of it yet. And the Father says, I'm well pleased. And again, I think it's because that pleasure goes back into all eternity. God the Father sets his heart on God the Son, and now that's showing up in time at this baptism. That's the kind of God who gets baptized with a mob of sinners. A God who wants to show us who he is. But he also wants to show us who we are. Because you see, one of the truths of the baptism of Jesus is that everything that happened to Jesus in his baptism happens to us in our baptism. Everything that happens to Jesus in his baptism happens to us in our baptism. Anointed by the Holy Spirit. Every time there's a baptism, we ask the Holy Spirit to come 
and anoint this person being baptized. And he does it because he always keeps his word and keeps his promise. In this baptism, though we don't hear audible words, it's, there's a visible word in the baptism. And God's saying to that, that daughter or son of his, beloved. And, and, and here's what you need to catch. That very same love that God the Father said on God the Son from all eternity, this perfect, unending, infinite love, that's the love that you set on you. Beloved in your baptism. Beloved. Son, daughter, child. Not, not begotten like Jesus, not divine intrinsically, but adopted and brought in the same kind of father-son, father-child relationship. Baptism gives you that relationship. And it gives you the last thing, the very pleasure of God. The pleasure of God, because God's pleasure for you is a, is a gift that you receive by being in Jesus Christ. It's a God who wants to show us who he is and who he is for. You know who he's for? Sinners like me and also like you, like us. The reality that we're sinners That truth that in of itself, apart from Christ, separates us from God is not a barrier to God. God has transcended that barrier, and God's bridged that barrier through Jesus Christ. And that reality comes crashing into our lives in baptism, just like it did for Jesus. Everything that happened to Jesus in his baptism happens to us. I think that's the deepest lesson of this Sunday in Epiphany. That's the deepest lesson. Well, because this is the Sunday that we remember the baptism of Jesus every year, I love this always at the beginning of the year, because part of what we do in worship is we come together and we renew our baptismal vows. We're going to do that in just a few moments. But I want to ask you to grab your bulletin and open it to page six. Actually, page seven at the top. And I just want to spend a few moments kind of walking through these baptismal vows. Now, every time there's a baptism, these vows are implied. Maybe when you were baptized, you didn't say these vows. That's okay. But the meaning of baptism is wrapped up in what's in here, in this covenant. And it's two parts. There's a set of renunciations and affirmations, and then a confession of faith. And it's ancient practice from millennia in the church. And so we're going to come today and remember all of us who are baptized, our baptism. Whether you remember getting baptized or not, like me, I was nine months old, but I can remember that I am baptized. Many of you are like me. Some of you remember your actual baptism. We're going to renew our vows. Let me talk about what these, these vows look like. So look at the second kind of section where it begins, do you renounce? So part of the meaning of baptism, so let me say this first. So... God acts in baptism. It's not a bare sign. It is a sign. But it's a sign through which God works. And he does all the things he did for Jesus. But I think of that like a gift that's given to us, but it's not unwrapped yet. Our, we have to respond to what God does in our baptism. With repentance and faith in following Jesus. And that's kind of like unwrapping the gift of salvation. And so the vows... These are our side of baptism. There's God's side, what we saw in Jesus, and then our response to that. Here's what they are. Number one, do you renounce the devil and all the spiritual forces of wickedness 
that rebel against God? This is a serious question. It's a serious question. We believe in a spiritual world. It's not all good. Some of it is dark and evil. And it influences our world and it influences us. Some of us in this room, I don't know, but maybe have a past with things like the occult. So you know that in a very direct way. But no matter what, the world we live in has evil and darkness. And when we turn to Jesus, we purpose to renounce all that and not walk in that way. That's part of the meaning of our baptism. From a darkness to light. Second, it asks, do you renounce the, the, the empty promises and deadly deceits of this world that corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? So that first renunciation is really of the, the devil, right? The second one is a renunciation of the world. It doesn't mean the globe, and it doesn't mean all the people in the world, or it doesn't even mean life in general. It's a very specific thing. It's, it's a way the Bible uses the word world to talk about the patterns of life, that are embedded in people's personal lives, family lives, society, culture, that are anti-Christ. And they can even look like good things, but they're turned away from the lordship of Christ, the world. The lust of the flesh, John says, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, you know, materialism, consumerism, sexual immorality, values that show up in cultures that are anti-Christ, When we are baptized, we renounce those things. We say no to them. Third, do you renounce the sinful desires of the flesh that draw you from the love of God? The reality is all of us have a mix of desires. Some of them are in alignment with God's will. Some of them are not. And to be a disciple is a call to put those to death and not live by those desires that draw us away from God. We all probably have different versions of this, We have desires in us, things we are attracted to and like that aren't godly. And we want to renounce those and turn to Christ. So that's the first part. We say no to some things. In the early church, like in the third, fourth century, when this would happen, um, people would turn to the west because the idea was Jerusalem, the presence of God is in the east as a symbol, and they'd spit every time they did it. I renounce, spit. I renounce, spit, I renounce, spit. I spit on you, devil. I spit on you, world. I spit on you, flesh. Please don't spit on the floor today, but metaphorically, we're going to spit those things in a little bit, okay? Let's go on. Number four, do you turn to Jesus Christ and confess him as your Lord and Savior? This is the the heart of the whole thing. And, And really, like if you come from a background like you do, where you're used to the language of accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that's what this is saying. It's exactly what it means. Are you not generally believe Jesus is God, not generally believe he's king, but are you for yourself going to trust in Christ's death and resurrection as the only thing that will make you right with God and bring you back to God? And are you going to submit to him as the Lord of your life? He's the boss. He's the boss. Anything in your life that doesn't align with his bossness goes away. He's the one who decides the course of your life, not you. That's what you're saying here. And then do you joyfully receive the Christian faith as revealed in the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament? This has to be said because you know why? The only way Jesus' authority comes into your life is through the Word of God. Otherwise, we're all just making up our own Jesus. 
He has given us his word, his inspired, infallible, authoritative word. And his lordship comes into our life. So that we're saying, God, I want to live under your word. That's what it means to be a baptized person. That's what we're saying. And then lastly, I love this. Those two respond with, I do. I make that commitment. That's like a setting the trajectory of your life. Then the last one is your daily process. Will you obediently keep God's holy will and commandments and walk in them all the days of your life? This is an intention looking to the future. You say, I will, the Lord being my helper. Now, why would you say that? I mean, in some sense, it's implied in all of these. But the reason why is we're still a mixed bag, aren't we? We still are going to find ourselves sometimes attracted to the ways of the devil, sometimes attracted to the world, sometimes attracted to our sinful desires, and we'll stumble and fall. So we'll have to repent again and confess our sin again. So we're pursuing this with God's help. And it's implied, like in our Book of Common Prayer, we're going to a little bit confess our sins. We do it every Sunday. If you pray daily prayer, you do it every day. If you read the Lord's Prayer, it's a daily prayer. And what does it say? Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sins. Jesus knows we're going to stumble and struggle. So we're praying, my intention is to follow Jesus with his help. But there's an implied sense that, and when I fall, I'm going to get back up. I'm going to keep pursuing him. And then I'm going to stop there, but we go on and we profess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed, which we'll do in a minute as part of this. And we do that every Sunday, so I don't need to walk through that. We do it with the Nicene Creed, but that's the content of the faith we believe. And we're submitting to that. And, and one truth of the many that are in that are simply this, the truth Jesus declared in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We're saying, not just Jesus, you're my Lord. We're saying, you are Lord. You are the way. You're the way to the Father. You're the way to salvation. And I submit to that and to you, Lord Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite you to, to kneel as you're able. We're going to pause in silence. And I'm going to lead us through these vows. And we're going to renew our baptismal commitment together. I want to invite you to really um, think of this. Um, you know, some traditions talk about recommitting your life to Jesus. That's what we're doing. This is the day to recommit your life to Jesus Christ. You just say afresh, you are my Savior. You are my Lord. That's what we're doing. So let's do this together. Starting on the top of page seven. Through the Paschal mystery, dear friends, we are buried with Christ by baptism into his death and raised with him to newness of life. I call upon you, therefore, to renew the solemn promises and vows of holy baptism by which we once renounced the devil and all his works and promised to serve God faithfully in his one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. Do you hear the presence of God in the church renew the solemn promises and vows made at your baptism and commit yourself to keep them? I do. Do you renounce the devil and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? I renounce them. Do you renounce the empty promises and deadly deceits of this world that corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? 
I renounce them. Do you renounce the sinful desires of the flesh that draw you from the love of God? I renounce them. Do you turn to Jesus Christ and confess Him as your Lord and Savior? I do. Do you joyfully receive the Christian faith as revealed in the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments? I do. Will you obediently keep God's holy will and commandments and walk in them all the days of your life? I will, the Lord be my helper. Let us now reaffirm our faith in the words of the ancient baptismal confession, the Apostles' Creed. Do you believe and trust in God the Father? I do. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe and trust in Jesus Christ? I do. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe and trust in the Holy Spirit? I do. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life of the last. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, you have built your church upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Grant us so to be joined together in unity of spirit by their doctrine, that we may be made a holy temple acceptable to you, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you, and the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand as we continue our worship by confessing our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed.